0: Welcome, everybody, to the Magic Beans Podcast. We are back again for episode number 62. I'm your host tonight. My name is Shorty, and I have just the one lone bean with me tonight. How's it going, Chewy?
1: Uh, It's good to be here. It's good to be here. A couple of the other beans had other commitments, Uh, some family things had to take over, but uh, clearly we don't love our families as much as they love theirs, (laughs) so we're here, (laughs) so... (laughs) <laughs> sure, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> uh, no, we we, would, we did try to give you a night off, uh, Shorty, but uh, didn't uh, didn't pan out that way. So thanks for uh, stepping in. Otherwise, uh, it would good, have just been you know two and a half hours of chewy tangents so, <laughs> talking about KCI. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, feel free to drop off if you want, and uh, we can. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, Only two good. and a half
1: hours had just been introduction though, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Just explaining, just trying to explain how the combo works. Just trying to figure it out myself. <laughs> you just go, I've got these cards and you tell your opponent, Yeah, this is where you concede. I don't I don't actually know how to win, but public <laughs> I've got service the right announcement. Cards. <laughs> public service
1: announcement. If your opponent ever says, Trust me, call a judge. <laughs>
0: yes, don't trust them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So anyway. yeah, tonight tonight is the the off week. Uh, normally our Evergreen series, but we thought we'd have a, uh, a little chat about Kaldheim and the effect that it's going to have on Standard and Historic, uh, I guess, a little bit. But uh, yeah, before we get into that, do you want to let everyone know who our awesome sponsors are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love talking about our sponsors because they're, as you said, awesome. So Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar are the official sponsor of the Magic Beans podcast. Uh, they are a Facebook auction site. Uh, that do nightly auctions. They have a full-time auctioneer. Everything is super slick, very tight ship. And their sponsorship allows us to, to do what we do with our leagues, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about later in the episode. Uh, not only leagues, but one-off events. And they, those guys mean that we've got free to enter events with prizes. So jump onto the uh, Facebook page. The link will be in the show notes. And... Uh, When you do pick up an absolute bargain, tell them that the beans sent you.
0: Absolutely. All right. So, yeah, like I said, we're going to talk a a bit about Kaldheim uh, and, yeah, sort of a a couple of reasons for this. One reason is uh, we have the early access event coming up next week on, on Arena and then the week following that we actually we're holding a historic tournament so we'll touch again on that a bit later but yeah new new set uh, looks pretty exciting lots of good things we spoke about a few cards on the previous episode but yeah we now do have the full preview out every, every single card so are you excited for this set chewie
1: yeah i am uh, actually more excited than i was for the previous set in all honesty <laughs> okay. and
0: yeah um not can't really put my finger
1: on why maybe that we <laughs> might might actually get to play a paper pre-release here and um, well, maybe
0: we just found out today it's been delayed in Australia.
1: Yeah, yeah, just by twenty four hours or so. But
0: we'll no, we'll, it's a it's a it's a full week. A full
1: week. Ah, oh, right. Yes. Oh, that's so right. The, the, yeah. the pre
0: release is now on the release weekend, <laughs> which okay. is a bit awkward. Yeah, yeah. So just put
1: a line through the pre bit, right? Yes. But yeah, yes. Um, I you know I wasn't a fan of uh, some of the ways that you know the the marketing team got behind this particular. Set, and I've voiced that on the cast before, but once a card started coming out, um, I'm really impressed by a lot of the design. They've really captured the essence of, uh, you know, a lot of the mythos around, uh, the, you know, that Viking and, and Norse Scandinavian culture. And, you know, as someone who painted his first Space Wolf nearly 30 years ago, <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah i know right <laughs> still have those models no yeah. you cannot see them uh, uh it's yeah it's it's bringing back some fond memories of you know really enjoying the you know that that viking sort of uh trope in yeah, in the yeah fantasy all the, world, all the so. usual
0: tropes that you get from all all yeah. that sort of stuff yeah. I'm, I'm currently watching the uh the last season of vikings on, oh, on nice. netflix so <laughs> yeah it's, good uh, timing it's pretty good. good timing what yeah, about yeah. you are you
1: pumped for this set
0: yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm pretty excited. There's, yeah, there's it's a set that doesn't look crazy powerful. There's some good stuff in there. There's some really cool, flavorful mechanics which we spoke about the last time, but nothing that looks super broken. We're not we're not looking at a car at a card like Omnath going oh boy, like we're in for a, a boring time for the next few weeks. So yeah, that being said, I mean,
1: well, I think that's really uh, refreshing in in and yeah. of itself. Like we we had Throne of Eldraine, uh, we had Zendikar Rising. Like we've had really powerful, you know, even like M twenty one had crazy cards in it, right? So, yeah, uh, a return to, uh, you know, what standards should be. You know, standards yep. felt like modern um, for a, a little while with you know crazy omnaths and casting ultimatums and, and things like that. So,
0: I don't, I don't see that going anywhere. <laughs> no, <laughs> until, no, until rotation though. No, but you
1: have to. You have to start. Introducing, you'd have to start, you know, tapering down. You need to wean yeah, us yeah. off the uh, the the high potent uh, drug that is Throne of Eldraine and and you need yeah, yeah. to start, yeah, bringing it off. You can't, we can't go cold turkey.
0: You yeah. see, so yeah, that's right. All right, so yeah, as, as I mentioned before, we do have coming up next Thursday. So we're recording this on Thursday, the twenty first of January. Next Thursday, the 28th of January, we have the Early Access Streamer event, which we are lucky enough to be invited to be a part of again. I think we've done the last three, maybe? Three yeah, I think this, this, is, this will
1: be our fourth, yeah, which is yeah. pretty cool. They keep inviting yeah. us back,
0: so... <laughs> well, I guess we're doing something right.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, we're not doing anything wrong, at least. So well, yeah, might we'll, do that. You <laughs> <we'll>
0: take it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think you're going to be jumping on... What around like two o'clock ish, something like that? Yeah, yeah. A bit earlier. Um,
1: I've got the um the privilege, or I'm lucky enough to (laughs) uh be doing uh, to be updating some database nodes for uh, a clinical application starting at midnight the night before. Oh yeah, Um, fun. Yeah, and my my work actually starts at probably two and finishes at five, but then you know I'll just continue working my day. Knock off work at about ten uh have a bit of a sleep and then yeah probably f- somewhere between 1 or 2 p.m i will uh, fire up the stream and start jamming some of the new cards which i'm pretty excited mm. about you may hear my wife working away in the background uh because <laughs> you know that's and and we've got you know kids on school holidays and stuff so might be some guest appearances by
0: keeps the stream real
1: yeah exactly exactly but you know I get to have a, a lunchtime nap and then just play magic all afternoon. So that's worth working all night. Uh, I feel that way now, maybe after. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to stream until like, uh, until you knock off work and you're ready to go and then we'll hand over to you. Yep. Um, and then uh, Cracker will jump on for a couple of hours to do the late shift. So yeah. uh, if I start at one, you know, we might, we might be looking at like an eleven hours worth of beans streaming, potentially, depending on how late Cracker goes. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, it should be good. Yeah, I know the the last one we did the the event finished at about eleven PM or maybe eleven thirty PM for us, but this year, they've extended it by a couple of hours, and it, it doesn't finish until, like, 2 a.m., so I don't, I don't think Cracker's going that late, but it at least means there should still be more people playing. Like Crack, Cracker tends to start fairly late anyway, so, yeah, he'll probably go up till 11.30 or midnight or something like that, so... That's a lot of content,
1: yeah. so, you, yeah, you can... Um watch, yep, watch t- the beans. tune in
0: whenever you can and yeah if you've got any uh, any funky deck lists we we do want to be highlighting and showcasing the new cards so we're looking for brand new archetypes i got a, got a few ideas up my sleeve but uh, yeah post them in our discord we've seen a few people posting them already and we'll uh, yeah we'll try and give them a run i think uh, i think i saw someone requesting on your stream when was that a couple of nights ago or last night to uh, to do some drafting as well so hopefully yeah and I'm keen for that, that done.
1: I love I love a draft so yeah. and because of the timing with the states and and Europe the drafts haven't fired a lot on the early access stream for Fast Lossies. but hopefully if I'm on earlier I might get a might get a draft or you know potentially even a sealed in we'll see how we go and yeah we just want to you know virtually get our hands on the on the new cards so yeah yeah, Absolutely. I think it's gonna be good. But yeah, as as Shorty said, give us give us your funky deck list. So wizards give us an account with all of the all of the wild cards and all of the jokes. So gems. many wild cards. It's, it's, it's so cool. Really fun. <laughs> yeah. And uh but that what that means is, you know, if you've got a deck idea that you want to explore but you don't want to invest the wild cards in, perfect opportunity. Yeah. Send us a list and uh we'll do it. We'll play it. Yep. I'll play anything. Yep. So Sounds good. Throw it at
0: us. Cool. All right. Well, uh, yeah, we will start off by having a bit of a look at new standard, I guess. And and tonight we're not really going to talk so much about existing decks that are getting a few upgrades and things like that. We just thought we'd have a bit of a look at, I guess, new decks that are probably going to be spawned in for standard speci- specifically. And then uh, we might have a bit of a look at the historic... Uh, I guess sort of where Historic's at at the moment, and if we think there might be anything that's going to have an impact in in Historic. So, Chewie, do you want to uh, kick us off with the the first deck we've got on our list there?
1: Yeah, yep, absolutely. So the first deck that I'm I'm interested in uh, playing, and something that I'll definitely have a version of on the early access stream, and I I think is pretty real is uh, a High Snow mid range deck. And it is a, uh, something that really does showcase the, the new cards. Um, we've got, uh, a whole bunch of snow lands, obviously, uh, the, the new snow jewels. And in fact, it's playing 24 land. Uh, all of them are from the new set bar for Fabled Passage. So definitely. Uh, showing the, the new cards,
0: uh, <laughs> leaning into it hard there.
1: Absolutely, and a card I'm I'm excited about, and you know thinking about a, a mid range strategy where you you're playing some some creatures like um, you know Skull Prophet uh, as as mana ramp. It's a green black for a three one um, to to launch yourself into uh, some of your bigger spells, but uh, Graven Law. Uh, so, you know, you can cast this early, which is a snow instant, and it costs three and two blue. And it's Scry X, where X is the amount of snow spent to cast this spell, then draw three cards. So at its worst, it's five mana, draw three cards. Uh, and we've seen Jace's Ingenuity be a, uh, a format staple when that was in standard. This is Instant just,
0: speed as well. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. This has just got uh, value tacked onto it. Uh and it's got um it plays Egon, the God of Death, which is the completely um overpowered just on sheer rate. Um, <laughs> Three
0: mana, six, six death, such. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cracker Cracker went in depth about that one on the last cast. And um Jon Snow, um, or Jorn, God of Winter, <laughs> uh, which is a, a card I'm um I'm pretty excited about. Um so Jorn is a uh legendary creature god legendary snow creature god is so a 3 mana 3/3 three, three. and uh when jawn attacks untap each snow permanent you control so like you've got many many snow lands and you've got a bunch of snow permanents in um some of your other creatures as well uh but particularly your mana and the the flip side of jawn is an
0: artifact whose name escapes me at the moment, but it, it's uh Kaldring the rhyme staff.
1: The rhyme staff, that's the one. And it has a an ability to recur your snow permanents
0: from your graveyard. So it's one one blue black tap. You may play target snow permanent card from your graveyard this turn. If you do it enters a battlefield tapped.
1: Uh so great example here, you know, these gods you're playing a four of uh you can play play your first jawn and, and start attacking, they kill it. You can play your second one as the artifact and just keep recurring the creature. Uh because it's a snow creature in your graveyard. So uh and then I think uh Atrus uh that we've seen around as well and and some uh some planeswalkers that we know are good in Teferi and Ashiok. But uh a card that I, I really like the look of in um in this deck and, and something that I think holds this archetype together is Blood on the Snow, which is a six-mana snow sorcery. And it says, choose one, destroy all creatures. That's a six-mana wrath. Uh, but you've got, um, you know, lots of spot removal and, and things to, to get you there. Uh, it's just got also got destroy all planeswalkers as one of the options. And then it says, return a creature or planeswalker card with converted mana cost X or less from your graveyard to the battlefield where X is the amount of snow spent to cast this spell. So you can destroy everybody else's creatures and then just like then reanimate one of yours or destroy everybody's planeswalkers and or destroy all creatures and then get a planeswalker back from the from the graveyard so uh a lot of versatility on this card and something that i think uh gives this deck a lot of play and that's why appeals to me with this deck it's got a lot of lines it's that classic mid-range where there's lots and lots of options and every turn uh is is really interesting uh, if I played this deck at, like, a long event, I'd be pretty tired at the end of the day, but,
0: yeah. <laughs> Doesn't but I look like, like it. My, my sort of deck. I'm, I'm not super interested no, in playing No, I,
1: I would call this a best of three deck uh, rather than a best of one deck,
0: for sure, yeah. 100%. percent it uh... just look slow and boring. <laughs>
1: You can play four games in the time it takes this yeah, one to play one. Right?
0: Yeah, at least <laughs>
1: exactly. Uh, so, what about you? What's uh, what's jumping out at you as a, a new potential new archetype?
0: Uh, so, I guess sort of one of the obvious ones with the just sort of looking at the the creature types and things like that that have been put into the set is the giants. So, there's there's quite a bit of a giant theme going on in the set, and I don't know if it will actually be good enough for uh, for standard play, but. It's most almost definitely gonna be one of the archetypes in Limited. But uh, yeah, we've got a uh, like the the giants in Kaldheim are in the uh the blue red to the it colours, which are my favourite colours to of magic to play. But usually blue red you're playing uh, you know, some counter spells, some burn and and, you know, a bit of a tempo y game. Uh, you know, a la Splinter Twin combo, that sort of type of thing. Yeah, uh, but
1: yeah, cut, Electrolyze uh, yes, c- kind yeah. of embodies the my, my uh, favorite card of all the, time, the blue red um, uh, archetype. It? Archetype, yeah. Yeah. But but, but uh, this is this yeah. is a bit different.
0: Yeah. Well. Well. Yeah. The the giants are uh, occupying those colours in this set, which means yeah, this is uh, much more a, a creature based deck, and, and it is worth mentioning. Uh, just quick shout out. These couple of decks, I don't know if all the ones we're looking at have come from uh, Hemsy, who is our Invitational Champion and uh, current Magic Beans Invitational Champion. So shout out to Hemsy.
1: Yeah, so what I did was I I had a look through through Twitter and a few other websites and, and found what people were talking about as potential decks, and instead of getting random deck lists, I thought I would uh, pull, when I had a, an example of them from somebody in our Discord, I uh, pulled that. So we're not going to go through, you know, specific numbers of the decks and and things. We're just going to call out key cards and and such because, you know, these are first drafts. The set's not even out yet. But, yeah, absolutely credit to Hemsey for uh, sharing those deck lists. And, you know, these will definitely be the starting points for things that um, I play on stream. So Hemsey's kind of done all the hard work for us. So I appreciate that, mate. Thank you.
0: Yep. But, yeah, this this deck's got, you know, you've got Agar, the Freezing Flame, uh, one blue-red for a 3-3, so three mana 3-3. Whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess damage, if a giant, wizard, or spell you controlled dealt damage to it this turn, draw a card. So, you know, it's rewarding you for over, uh, like, dealing excess damage to to creatures. Or Very
1: flavorful for a Planeswalkers? Giant. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yep. Obviously we've got, you know, Bonecrusher Giant being probably one of the best cards in standard at the moment. There's also Calamity Bearer, which is a 2 red red for a 3-4 giant. Uh, if a giant source you control would deal damage to a permanent or player, it deals double that damage to that permanent or player instead. So, so. it works pretty good
1: with, with Agar. So. Yeah,
0: yep, definitely. yep. So you're dealing a whole bunch of excess damage with all your giants and then uh, dealing uh, drawing a bunch of cards. The thing to note with that is it does not work with Stomp. Stomp is just a regular old instant adventure, uh, so you don't get the doubling effect from that. Uh, We've got Crystalline Giant, which is a, a card that I flagged. It's from Ikoria as being... You know, yep, this card's going straight into into aggressive decks, and it basically has not been seen other than I think uh, De Broom crushing uh, mm. Stew. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> in the <Yeah>. league matches, have <laughs> not seen it anywhere since then. But hey, it is a giant, so yeah, it might find a, going, a home now, which in. is
1: which is great because it's a cool card. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's just never never found a home. Uh, I, I mean, a three mana three three that can literally go in any deck and get any abilities, like power creeps, a thing uh but yeah um what do you think of uh torolf god of fury in this deck
0: you mean you mean thor yeah yeah
1: <laughs> thor severin right yeah. yeah yeah so uh
0: yeah well i don't think we've spoken about this one so it's two red red for a five four trample yep seems pretty good yep four mana five four trample it would be nice if it had haste uh, but having tramples pretty good uh, whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess non combat damage, Torolf deals damage equal to that to the excess to any target other than that permanent. So you're trampling, uh, like your, your damage you're doing over what it takes to, to kill something, you're able to sort of spread that to another target. And I guess, I don't know if it's really being utilized in. Uh, in this deck as much but it's definitely a card that in older formats is uh is pretty bonkers i think um what's the there's a red spell that deals like 13 to all creatures or something like that yeah star of
1: extinction or something like yeah, that yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. like
0: card, cards along those lines that are you know even even a card like wildfire or something just anything that's dealing bulk damage to every creature on the battlefield uh, all that excess you're going to be able to redirect to either finish off other creatures or just straight to the dome and, and kill your opponent so yeah. the other side of it is toros hammer uh, which is one and a red for an equipment uh, it says a quick creature has one and one and a red tap unattach toros hammer it deals three damage to any target and it returns to your hand and the equipped creature gets plus three plus zero as long as it's legendary and its equip is one and a red. I like I I like the flavor of this. Like it's it's cool. Yeah, Obviously, it's like Thor's it's the, hammer
1: yeah. returning, but it yeah. also it's... harkens back to like volcanic hammer or uh, hammer of yeah. garden uh, yep. and things where you get that recursive damage source. But it's a it's not efficient like, at all. No, it's not. <laughs> but if you're you know if you've got a board stall or you you know you've got excess mana lying around, you can um you know it's it's it? six, six, six six mana, mana for three, three damage but it's every turn right so
0: yeah yeah I- interesting and yeah you never know like you, you do have those situations in yeah, you know, your mono red decks and things like that where you just stall out and you don't have any good attacks but your opponent also can't really attack you because then they'll just die on the crack back uh, this is oh i'm just drawing lands and i've got six six mana so I can, i'm just gonna shoot you for three every turn it's uh, it's probably not too bad.
1: Yeah, and hopefully you've got in some beats with your um, your other things and dealt excess damage along the way and and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's a um, it's a it's an interesting card. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if the other gods. I think are a snap four of. I don't know if this one is.
0: No, nah, no, nah, probably not.
1: But yeah, no, I, I I think I think yeah, the giants could definitely be a uh, definitely a player.
0: Yeah, like there's a card in here, uh, Glimpse the Cosmos, which is uh, one and a blue for sorcery. Look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So that's Anticipate at sorcery speed. Not good enough. Anticipate doesn't see play as it is. I think it's even legal in standard at the moment, but it just has not really been good enough. Um, But it has, as long as you control a giant, you may cast Glimpse the Cosmos from your graveyard by paying blue rather than paying its mana cost. Uh, and then you would you exile it. So the first time you play it, it's just a mopey two manner. Look at the top three, draw a card. But then when you're able to do it for one manner, yeah, that's that's probably it's better. <laughs> it's still sorcery speed, so yeah, yeah, just another one of those things that's paying you off for for having giants.
1: Yeah, I'm not I'm not in love with it, but yeah, it's no. it's, it's also not horrible. So yep.
0: yeah. There's also Squash, which is four and a red, so five mana for an instant. Spell costs three less to cast if you control a giant, and it deals six damage to target creature or player. So it would be, what's that, one and a red? So it's Lightning Strike yeah. but for six damage. If you've if you've got a giant, seems pretty good. And then when you've got something like Agar, so you're dealing excess damage, you're drawing a card. Yeah, Torolf, so you're dealing excess damage. So yeah, a few synergies. I don't see this deck being tier one good enough
1: yeah, yeah but it's cool and good yep. home for faceless haven the the uh the person land the person land yeah as well. yep, so, yeah yeah um, giant. yeah exactly so it, it's yep. not too bad um i'm also a deck i'm excited about and something that i've played as an archetype uh over my magic history is uh some jessica control uh i okay. think uh, yeah i uh yeah probably a urian deck because um that's the world we live in uh and actually the yeah the list that we've got here is 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 a urian deck but uh trying to use um Nico aris which is the the new planeswalker from kaldon which is double blue white and x and uh you know has you know a potentially a three minute planeswalker right which is Yeah, yeah not horrible um so uh three starting loyalty. Uh when Niko enters the battlefield, create X shard tokens. Uh and then plus one uh up to one target creature you control can't be blocked this turn. Uh when it deals damage uh this turn return it to your hand. Okay. Um Nico Arrow seals two damage target tap creature for uh each card you've drawn and minus one create a shard token. So shard tokens are like clues but they're enchantments and you get to scry before you draw. So there are... uh, Two
0: two mana, sack it, scry one, draw a card.
1: Yeah, so uh, pretty good. Uh, So you want something potentially that's going to take advantage of uh, some some enchantments. Uh, So you probably want to play uh, some number of that guy who makes two, two lifelink guys. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. Uh,
0: I'm trying to think of the name of it. And I've completely forgotten. Uh, but
1: yeah, you probably, probably want to play some of that, but um, some other, um, well, the, you get the blue white pathway, which is, which is great. And I guess, I mean, we're talking about new archetypes, but the, the, there's a bunch of archetypes that we'll still see in standards. Quick tangent, Sorry, shorty, uh, like red, black sacrifice. That's not going anywhere. It's still going to be a good deck. Uh, it, just gets better mana. so uh that's something that uh you know you definitely need to account for when you're when you're building a new deck because yeah the the existing decks are still going to be there though we haven't had a rotation, so they're going to be there and potentially get better themselves so which you know for something like uh is it giants uh it's coming in with you know a limited card pool and all these other decks are getting upgrades, so that you know it might not be its time now but uh, as some of those more powerful sets rotate out, then it might bubble up to
0: the top. So, yeah. Archon of Sun's Grace is the card we're talking that's about. The, the that's the one, yeah. 3-4 flyer that creates 2-2 two, two Pegasus with flying when uh, an enchantment enters the battlefield.
1: Yeah. And um, an enchantment that I, I'm really interested in, uh, which kind of slots into this deck. Uh, I, I, it's a cool card. I don't quite know whether it's, it's going to be good enough, but I like it as a card. And the art's very cool. Uh, it's called the Raven's Warning. And it is white, blue, and one for an enchantment saga. Uh, and chapter one is create a 1-1 blue bird creature token with flying and you gain two life. And chapter two is whenever one or more creatures you control with flying deal combat damage to a player this turn, look at that player's hand and draw a card. That's pretty nice. Yeah, creates a creates a guy. If that guy attacks, you get to cast Curiosity and draw a card. So that that is pretty good. And then uh, Chapter 3 is you may put a card you own from outside the game on top of your library. So you can go and get something out of exile if something's been exiled with like Elspeth Conquers death or eaten by Scavenging Ooze or Banishing Light or, you know, one of the many ways to exile something. Or... You go
0: and get something from your sideboard, so you know you can you can, you can go and get your Yuri on rather than paying the the three mana to put it in your hand.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, and you can also <laughs> uh, you know you can go and get a uh, you know a, a wrath. You know a, yeah yeah. So um, and speaking of uh, Doomscar, uh, yeah, is... yeah, I don't is, think we've
0: spoken about this one. No, on so, yep.
1: so uh, I think this this is definitely a card that will see some play in standard. So Doomscar is uh, three white-white for a sorcery that says destroy all creatures. Five mana wrath has been standard playable for a long time, but this one has got foretell. So you can play it face down for two generic mana and you can foretell it for three. So white-white and one. So this is potentially a turn three wrath against uh, super aggressive decks. Yeah. Uh, Or you can just have it in your pocket and... The, one of the best ways to combat Wraths when you are a, a creature deck, a black-based uh, creature deck, is to have things like Juress, And, you know, this insulates itself uh, after turn two from um, from Juress. So I think this card is definitely going to be a mainstay. As long as there's a control deck in standard, I, I think it will play this. So, and I, yeah. I, think, that's, well, you, uh, I think that's
0: Like, great. foretelling it like you know turn two you just tuck this away and and your opponent has no idea what you're playing if you're if you're playing a say a blue white control deck that could be the card draw spell that could be the counter spell or it could be the board wipe so you're now sitting opposite your opponent going okay well what do i do on turn three i can commit a creature to the board and they may counter it or they may just wrath it away or the, if i don't do anything they're just going to draw some cards like it just puts you in an awkward spot and then you know you you commit another creature to the board and they don't wrath the board the the next turn you go oh, okay well maybe it wasn't the the wrath but who knows turns it turns out it could be so you, you just oh, don't I know would, it
1: i would i would let them do it oh oh yeah you want to get that value <laughs> and i guess like yeah. from a set design perspective uh that interaction is really interesting because if you're playing, yeah, a blue-white-based um, control deck, you've got options to, as you said, yeah, a counter spell, a card draw spell, and a wrath. The three things that every control deck really wants. Like, yeah, add land and you've got a control deck, right? You'll figure yeah. out a way to win the game eventually. Uh, so the fact that it could be any one of those, just, yeah, it's going to put your opponents in a, in a spot to make mistakes, and people are going to play into them you know, hoping that there's something else or they're going to play around something that's not there and you'll be able to get an advantage that way. So uh, yeah. these cards are cool. I really like
0: them. Yeah. Another deck that we're likely to see, I reckon this might, it might not be tier one, but it's, it's probably going to see play in standard is Elves. We, we've definitely got, again, uh, the tribe push from Kaldheim of Elves being in, back in standard. And we've had a few Elves sort of, sprinkled in the, the previous sets so there are a couple there that can go in but yeah this set has a whole bunch of, of green and black elves and uh, you know they're all doing different abilities and pumping each other and, and creating more elf tokens and all that sort of stuff so it's not quite like I remember playing like you know the elf ball decks back in uh, sort of lawwin or whatever we were, had when we had like imperious perfect and all that sort of stuff that was that was a lot of fun It's definitely not at that point. Uh, well, but, magic's
1: uh, magic's not at that point anymore. No. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but yeah, you know, there, Green Deck. Yeah, a very well, black there's pathway. a there's
0: a saga. You know, we've got a Harold unites the elves. Uh, actually, uh, speaking of Vikings, there is King Harold on the, on the Vikings. Anyway, Harold unites the elves. I'm two- thinking,
1: thinking about the character from Neighbours. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <Well>, okay. Yep.
0: <laughs> uh, two two black green uh, saga. Uh, chapter one is mill three cards you may put an elf or tyvar card from your graveyard onto the battlefield so that can be pretty spicy tyvar Kel is a is a planeswalker that we haven't spoken about, but it's a four mana planeswalker that uh, obviously goes very well with your elves either creates elves or puts counters on your elves and makes your elves tap for black mana so being able to just chapter one pull one of them out of your graveyard is pretty good Chapter two is put a plus on plus on counter on each elf you control, which you should have a few of those.
1: That's also pretty and good. And
0: then chapter three, whenever an elf you control attacks this turn, target creature and opponent controls gets minus one, minus one to end a turn. So the way that's worded is each elf will trigger that. Is that correct? Whenever, whenever an elf you yep. control attacks this turn. So if yep. you've got five elves attacking, you've got f- minus five, minus five to dist- to distribute as you see fit. Target creature and opponent. Character. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That'll yeah, trigger so for each, each, so each creature. Yep. Yeah. Each elf would have its own trigger, so it's a good way just to clear a few blockers. You well, know, it's, it's, it's not a.
1: It's it's a very interesting take on overrun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like yeah, your, 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 your traditional overrun is you know plus three, plus three, and trample. So it's like yep, okay, all my dudes are big, and I'm going over the top of what you're doing. Well, this is okay. Now I can shrink all of your dudes, or potentially take out the big blockers and leave you with some really poor blocking choices. So, yeah, it could be a cool deck. But I, I don't know if there is enough Elves to, to make it really good, but Elves are such a common tribe that we we do see, you know, at least a couple in every set. So, you yeah. know, give it another couple of set releases and we're likely to um, see it doing pretty good, especially like we've got the, the D&D set coming up. There'll be some Elves uh, later in there. this year. Yeah, we'll see a half-Elf. That'll be interesting. Mm. It counts as both yeah. an Elf and a Human, maybe. Yeah, well, it could be a yeah, human elf. Yeah. yeah. Actually that'd be interesting. Yeah,
1: fair. maybe maybe. got um, speculation. You heard yeah, here first, there exactly. will be a human
0: elf in, in yeah, the that
1: nobody likes and yeah, anyway. <laughs> uh, but the, the elves deck I think could be a, a good home for uh Realm Walker, the three mana two, three changeling. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that lets you, you know, play elves off the top of your library. And uh speaking of changelings that I think will fit in um any sort of green creature deck masked vandal will probably have a home in sideboards uh certainly in standard but uh you know maybe as far back as as modern so masked vandal yep it is uh green and one for a one three creature shapeshifter with changeling whenever oh sorry when masked vandal enters a battlefield you may exile a creature card from your graveyard if you do exile exile target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls so uh Reclamation Sage that uh, has... One.
0: one mana cheaper.
1: One mana cheaper, counts as a human in modern humans, uh, but it has a condition of removing... You know, having a creature in your graveyard, which, uh, you know, creature decks get creatures in the graveyard uh, fairly easily, but, uh, you know, there may be a spot where it's like I couldn't cast this thing because I didn't have it. So there's a risk-reward there, but I, I think this card will see play in sideboards in a lot of different formats. So, yeah, I
0: think that's... Yeah, and the exile clause is pretty good. Uh, It does also specify target artifact or enchantment and and opponent controls, which 99% of the time makes no difference, but (laughs) there's randomly those corner cases when you want to destroy your own artifact or enchantment for for various reasons. If somebody's uh, donated
1: Illusions of Grandeur to you or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. I
0: mean, there's the, you know, in in modern you... uh, in Tron, you blow up your own uh, star with what's the, um, the single green? You gain three life or four life or whatever. Uh, yep, 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 that one. Yep, <laughs> it's, I... been, it's been a long time since i played Tron. <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: Well, I would we, yeah, played four of those in in modern for a long time, and hitting Ica Will Spring with that always felt really good. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, I cast it on uh, Darksteel Citadel more than once as well. So yep, uh, that's not bad. Um. So, yeah, so that's um, – yeah, there's, there's elves and a little bit like giants. It's uh, cool, probably not T1 right away, but as more sets – you know, as we see some rotation and, and more sets coming out, uh, I think we could see some, um, some love for these archetypes. I think they could be pretty cool. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. Um, yep, yeah. Yeah, so next one for me is – not so much a, a new deck, but more a deck we haven't seen in standard for a uh, a considerable amount of time, which is
0: jund. Uh, so not not jund sacrifice, uh, or yeah, sort, sort, of, sort jund of jund sacrifice, sort of, sort of jund
1: sacrifice. <laughs> but yeah, so an, an update to to the more uh, more options with the uh, Rakdos sacrifice deck. To yeah, and you got good mana now with all of the, the pathways yeah um you know uh valky god of lies um uh, which we t- uh slash Tibolt, uh which was the uh we spoke about in the last cast um immersion predator egon you know this is a big beat stick uh Kovold, and um yeah there's just yeah i think i think this deck could you know be better than just red black it could also do nothing i'm not sure but um, yeah, just keep an eye out for that. And if you're a fan of uh, of that archetype uh, over the last couple of years, and uh, I would I would definitely have a look at, at what you can um, what you can play there. So I think it'd be pretty good. Um, there's a a deck or maybe even a, a card specific card you're pretty excited about, Shorty. It fits in something in an archetype you've played a lot of uh, when it was in standard. Um,
0: yeah, it's um, Ascendant Spirit, which. We haven't spoken about it yet, but uh, we, we had a bit of a chat about it in our Discord. So, it's a single blue for a 1-1 one, one snow creature spirit, and it has all the uh, Figure of Destiny flashbacks that you <laughs> that you, you want for, uh, for those of us that were playing when that card first came out.
1: Do you know, tangent time, sorry. There's only two of us. We've got to fill out this cast. <laughs> <laughs> there was the first PTQ at Card Heaven uh, in Melbourne where Figure of Destiny was legal. It was... The internet and, and buying cards online, that was a lot more difficult. So people relied on uh, stores stocking cards or actually getting things from opening packs. And the most common version of Figure of Destiny was the FNM promo. Yep. And they were foil. And oh my goodness, did that foil, that particular foiling process, probably the worst curving <laughs> foils <laughs> that we've seen, which is saying something. Yep. Um, and there were so many people uh, having having issues where literally it was like have have the cards in your sideboard and proxy a forest with figure written on it. And when you draw it, play it because, you know, you've got no other foils in your deck, you can see the figures. Uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was a talking point.
0: Uh, yeah. Wow. That, was, that, was, that was a real flashback tangent. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like uh, I just remember this whole PTQ being dominated by, you know, I will trade you my foil figure of destiny for your non-foil. Like, yeah. you know, people, were, yeah, it's
0: was, it was crazy. <laughs> uh, anyway, this, this card is, yeah, it's a, it's a blue for 1-1 one, one, snow creature spirit. It has snow snow, so the uh, the snow mana, the snowflake symbol, so two of them. Ascendant spirit becomes a spirit warrior with base power and toughness 2-3. So two mana it turns it into a 2-3. Then for three snow mana, if ascendant spirit is a warrior, put a flying counter on it and it becomes a spirit warrior angel with base power. Power and toughness 4 4. And then for force no mana, if Ascendant Spirit is an angel, put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it and it gains whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. So there's you're a lot leveling going up. here.
1: There's a lot going on. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot.
0: Yeah, you're turning your 1 1 into a 2 3. Then once you've turned it into a 2 3, you can turn it into a 4 4 angel with flying. Then once it's a 4 4 angel with flying, you can then put 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on it and give it an ability uh, so it becomes a 6 6. With flying it, and something that was pointed out uh, this week on uh, Pat Chapin and Mike Flores's podcast is, you can just keep reactivating that ability. It, it because it's putting two plus one plus one counters on the creature, it is a six six, and then it becomes an eight eight, and a ten ten, and so on. Like you, you can just keep reactivating it each turn, which you couldn't do with cards like Figure of Destiny, where it was a set. This it is this creature's power and toughness, and and it doesn't change. So. But that said, you you
1: don't need to activate that too many times before you won the game. I'm no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. when you
0: when you're attacking with a six six or an eight eight flyer and you you're drawing extra cards, and yeah, you're probably doing it right. But yeah, I see this deck, uh, this card going in. There's the potential for a like most likely mono blue snow deck uh, where you're playing this. You're playing the the Fortell counter spell, the foretell Fortell uh, draw two, a uh, Scry two, draw two. You know, a few other blue creatures, uh, you know, small blue flyers, that sort of thing. Um, There's, it would most likely play a card like Cosima, uh, which is one of the gods that has a very odd and confusing ability on the front side. But the back side is one and a blue for a a vehicle, a 3-3 vehicle that has crew one. And, uh, you know, it, it lets you play lands off your opponent's library. But, yeah, letting you use your small one ones and turning them into 3 not quite as good as uh, the old Smuggler's Copter, but still pretty good. But, yeah, it's a, it's a card that is almost definitely going to slot into, like, mono blue in Historic, that's that's for sure. Because, uh, yeah, just being able to play this and have this as your sole win con, you can just sort of protect it for a few turns is, is going to be pretty good. So... Be well, pretty it's interesting got, to it, see how it goes.
1: It's got curiosity built in, so yeah. you know yep. it's uh, card advantage in that sense. You can keep your curiosity in hand, yep, and uh, save it for a later creature. So yeah, I I like it. Uh, yep. What what I also like, surely, just from nostalgia perspective in in this set, whether it's got a home or not, but um, the reprint of
0: Strategic Planning has very cool yeah. art. I like it. So I did did see that. Hmm. Not not entirely sure what the guy's doing, but he's planning stri- strategically stri- <laughs> yes <laughs>
1: uh, yep. so you mentioned historic and yeah um, yeah we've got some uh, we've got some cards here that we think will probably impact on historic obviously the uh, the, the one drop that you've just mentioned uh, ascendant spirit yep. uh, would have a, uh, a show in historic but I guess to, to understand what what um, what cards here would have an impact on historic? What what's happening in historic at the moment?
0: Yeah, so we had uh, last weekend, I think it was the weekend just gone. We've had one of the MPL and Rivals League weekends. We've spoken about these a few times before. This is where the MPL players against pl- players play against each other. They play twelve rounds over the weekend, and then all the Rivals players play against each other again, twelve rounds over the weekend, and and. This is basically the most important thing for the MPL and Rivals players. They they get 1 point per match win through these weekends. So they can actually accrue more points doing this than they can for winning like the uh, the set championship. So like, you know, the Kaldheim championship that will be coming up in in a few weeks. So they're pretty important which means they're taking it very seriously and yeah from that we get to see you know a metagame breakdown and i guess some data from how the different decks are performing so we haven't been paying a ton of attention to uh historic and so it's funny i was thinking about the other day like flashback to i don't know like February or March or something last year. And we were all basically just like, yeah, Historic now, nah, whatever. Like when we did our, we did an Evergreen on the formats, <laughs> we basically mentioned Lost Historic. It. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, that's that format on Arena. No one's, no one plays it. We don't really care about that. And, and you were all <laughs> hyped on
1: Pioneer. and <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: and now it's, uh, it's turned into a real legitimate format. So, but yeah, we thought we can, we can have a bit of a look at uh, what's going on in Historic and then, if there's any specific things we think might be getting upgrades. You know, Historic's kind of like, you know, your Pioneer and your Modern, where the new archetypes that we just sort of mentioned for Standard are not likely to be strong enough to be played straight up in Historic. Um, you're You're just dealing with a much bigger card pool. So it's more likely that a few random cards just sort of increase the power of other decks. Sometimes you do get, you know, combo pieces and things like that. But the... MPL and Rivals meta breakdown, so just to sort of quickly run through that. So, Sultai midrange was the most played deck, uh, 38.6% of the field, which is a lot. Again, Uro showing why it's <laughs> banned in multiple formats. Yes. Uh, Jun Sacrifice in second with 21.4%, Gruul Aggro 15.7%, 4 color midrange, uh, which is basically like tie but with white, splashing white for the uh, Yashan, the big pig. Uh, only four percent goblins. This is the biggest surprise for me. Goblins down to two point nine percent. Only two copies played in the uh, in the league. So that tells me that the mid range players have figured out how to beat goblins, and they're just not. It's just not a viable deck anymore.
1: Yeah, something needs to happen with Uro in the format mm. before Goblins can be a deck again, I think. And I don't mind, I don't mind a sort of a churn where uh, Goblins, has, you know, Goblins was the top deck and, and now something has taken its place and, and all the rest of it. But um, it would be a shame if Goblins wasn't a viable deck at all.
0: Uh, so <laughs> that, that just blows my mind with how crazy muxus is <laughs> like that the deck is just bonkers and the fact that that is not good enough is uh is crazy yeah
1: um the, the deck that's kind of uh taken the uh taken the top spot as far as aggressive decks are concerned is uh gruel has risen to the top again right so yeah yep um, having hasty creatures and uh, things like Clothus and, uh, you know, you can get your really fast starts with Burning Tree Emissary and uh, Pelt Collectors and uh, whatnot. Uh, it's an Embercleave deck, obviously. Uh, yep. So you can get in a lot of damage early and then by the time the Saltide deck can, you know, try to turn the corner, Clothus just starts doing its thing and, and just burns them out. So uh, it's a better... Like I, I think on pure rate, Goblins is a better aggressive deck, but uh it doesn't have the resilience or the the long term game plan that uh that Gruel could bring, I don't think. So yeah. uh yeah, which is interesting. And we even saw a um you know, some mono green um creature decks with like Great Henge, Heart of Kieran, Steel Leaf Champion. So <laughs> You know, uh, turn one, Lennar Elves, turn two, Steel Leaf Champion. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, feels pretty good. So, yeah, having those... Um, yeah, it's, it's a very... Historic's in a very interesting space from that perspective. So
0: Yeah, well, I guess sort of looking at the... Like, we've got the the win rate matrix. If, if you're on Twitter and you don't follow MTG data, M- MTG underscore data, I, I suggest you do because... They, uh, they pull all the data from all the big events and put it into these awesome matrixes and you get to see all the win, win rates and all that for, for the field. It's, it's very good. So definitely go and look them up and give them a follow on Twitter. But uh, yeah, the, the highest win rate percentage is actually Jund Sacrifice. And we were talking about this before the podcast. It has no negative matchups the uh, the lowest that has it's got fifty percent against four color mid range and fifty percent against mono red and everything else is positive, <laughs> which that's is uh, insane. impressive.
1: Insane, yeah. Mm. Um, so what is this deck doing that uh, that puts it in that position? So for me, the first thing jumps out is it's playing Jengartha the Wellspring. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's oh, fl- that's where all the power is. <laughs> that's that's uh, companions are broken, man. Um, yeah. So yeah. So, Playing Gengartha is obviously someone's looked at the deck list and gone, oh, I can play Gengartha. Why not? I, I've just got access to a 5 5 I've got. I've got
0: to point it out for you. Yeah. It's G- Gigantha. Gigantha.
1: Okay. Gigantha. Well, that's how, that's how much the card gets played. I don't even know what it's called. <laughs> so. Uh, I think Ugh. I played it on stream and called it Junk Ganthor because we're trying to tick yes, off some challenges. <laughs> yeah, couldn't win a game with it. Kept getting just blown away by like completely Ugh. random decks. Anyway, um, yeah. so this yeah, is—it your...
0: ha- hasn't changed for. Do you for need a while. me like, to? It's,
1: it's... Do you need me to explain this deck to you, Shorty? I it's uh, probably no, something I'd, you haven't I'd, seen. I think
0: <laughs> I think I've played uh, enough of this deck, <laughs> <laughs> as the listeners of our podcast would know. Uh, I haven't actually played it in historic. The year. like these these versions are playing collected company, which. Is a little bit odd in this deck, but obviously it seems to work. So, yeah. Other than that, like it's it's just the same. like you got Cold for movies, you got Dreadhor Butchers, Mayhem Devils, Midnight Reapers, Priests, and some Woe Riders claim the Firstborns, and your Witch's Ovens. Like that's that's your deck. Like it's not doing anything different. I think looking at the win rates, it's got it had seventy five percent versus goblins, and I just guess that that comes down to being able to just kill all of their early goblins and stop them from getting an early muxus like if you're if you're casting a muxus the hard way on turn six well it's probably not not quite as good and then even if you do cast a muxus and you hit a few good things this deck has that ability to just go okay well before you attack i'm just gonna shoot down your uh creatures that give all of your goblins haste and then it just like ruins their turn so yeah, I, I can see why uh, why Jund would be taking down uh, goblins. What do you like? How do you reckon it goes? Like, it's got nearly seventy percent against Soltai mid range. That's what do you reckon is going on there? Uh,
1: I think the the cat oven uh, has a a bit to do with that. Claim the firstborn's really good against Uro.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: A uh, collected company as a way to reload or or to go over the top. Um, they're also playing Midnight Reaper, so um, uh, Midnight Reaper plus uh, Collected Company, plus the value that you get out of like your Woe Striders, recurring Strappy Scroungers, things like that. You can keep up with them on on cards, and you're just yeah. you're just chipping them, and you'll have big turns where you get like a you know you sacrifice a Dreadhorde Butcher with a Mayhem Devil in play, and you know all of that stuff, but. You were just able to nickel and dime them down and I think you know probably you know Clothus again in the in the board um, noxious grasp so yeah there's they've got playing three colors gives you so many options in your deck building and, and sideboarding so I think it's just it can go under them and has got so much resilience and recursion that uh, and then the the card that beats most decks out of the Sultai midrange, like the, their win condition, primary mid win condition, is susceptible to claim the firstborn. So, yeah, yep.
0: Yeah. It's like, yeah, I, th- I think like the mid midrange deck is a grindy deck. You know, you, you, you've you got your removal, you've got your slow card advantage, you, you're playing for the, the mid to late game. The Jun Sacrifice deck grinds just as well as the Sultai midrange deck does and has card draw and all that sort of stuff built into it. But it's also, while it's grinding, it's also killing you with Mayhem Devils and cats and keeping yourself alive with the life you're gaining from cats. So Exactly. It's, and it's kind of doing what Soltai is, but just better.
1: And I, yeah, I agree. And I think one of the reasons why it does it better is there are uh, cards in Soltai that are just not good until the late game, where yeah. every single card in the Jund deck is good Throughout the entire game, like there's yeah. no like, oh, I didn't get to six mana to cast my Liliana. It's like, oh no, I, I cap out at three or, or or four with Coco, right? So, yep. uh, there's things don't rot in your hand, so you've just got that momentum constantly. So yeah, yep. I, I I I like this deck.
0: Yep. Looking at new cards, do you think Valky and uh, Tybalt will be slotting into the uh, the Jun deck? Uh.
1: It's what they replace. What do they replace is the yeah, that's a, is the a question. <laughs> that's a
0: <hard> so <laughs> what are you taking out?
1: Like the one of Scrap Heaps maybe Dreadhorde Butcher could be replaced, uh, but you're giving up points to goblins uh, and, and other creature decks there. So if if you're already beating up on goblins and you're already beating up on Soultime Midrange, the format needs to shift to adjust for uh Jan's Sacrifice and we will then see more uh, your Shans, right, to, to yep. stop the sacrifice trigger, which means the the Jundex then need to go to play 4-mana Shandra uh, because Chandra can kill your Um So, you know, the, it's going to be one of those things where making that right call ahead of the tournament is going to make the biggest difference and then you've got to play the matchup lottery as well. But yeah, yeah. Um, there'll be times where... The new cards are absolutely better than Dreadhorde Butcher and Scrapheap Scrounger, but there'll be times where you, you wish you had the the former. Yep. So maybe um maybe the green black pathway would slot in as well and improve the in yeah, some numbers. Yeah,
0: like lands are always you get know, rid you, of dragon Always up, always upgrading your lands whenever you can. Yeah, that's pretty normal. So looking at other uh, potential cards that might be. Uh, historic playable one that sort of springs to mind for me is Voronkleks, uh, which we spoke about on the last cast, the uh, the Praetor, Phyrexian Praetor. Uh, you know, going into... There is a mono-green Stompy deck, or there has been a mono-green Stompy deck in Historic previously. It, it sort of dropped off and, yeah, I guess got supplanted by Gruul, but there are still quite a lot of green creatures that are uh, based around having plus-one, plus-one counters. So... Um, yeah, wouldn't be surprised to see a deck like that slot in uh, a couple of couple of Voronklexes just to hit that six mana and uh, have a, you know, a 6-6 six, six Trample Haste is kind of what that deck would be wanting anyway. And then any creature you play following that that's going to be putting counters on it is, is going to be doing pretty well. And it has that sort of shutting down uh, opposing Planeswalkers effect and... Uh, stopping the the sagas in their track so yeah I could see that slotting in
1: absolutely um, anything I, you've seen
0: uh, there's
1: a so when we were talking about potential standard decks uh, when we were speaking about elves one of the things we said was it may not have the depth of, of elves in standard but um, Lanoir elves and and friends that are around in historic may mean that Tyvarkel is the glue that that um, we might see that might sorry the glue that has been missing from an elf deck so the new elves plus an elf planeswalker um we might see we might see an elf deck um but that would have the same problem as the goblins deck has against the 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 jun deck so uh i'm not sure if there's uh on rate i i think you know Elves might be good enough, but right now, as a metagame stance. Uh, I think the uh, the Jund deck will probably keep that out. Um, but yeah, not so not nothing really jumping out. Uh, Crippling fear is a is an interesting one for um, for you know sideboards uh, and whether What's that or, one? Uh, it is uh, two and two black for a sorcery. Choose a creature type creatures that aren't um, a the creatures that aren't of the chosen type get minus three, minus three until end of turn.
0: Okay, yeah. So you protect all your yeah. If you're playing some sort of tribal, yeah. The problem being like a it's a black yeah double black it's a blackboard wipe. Like what what are you playing that in? That's actually got like that's the sort of card you want in a, in a goblins or an elf deck. I mean, you could play it if you're playing green black elves. It could slot into that. Yeah. You know, in, in the sideboard to uh, take yeah. out uh, opposing creatures.
1: And I guess it's a um, you know it's just not as good as languish in the cause, you know because you could name you know uh, I don't know like a random uh, goat creature type or something <laughs> um, that uh, you know if you're playing this in Salty but it just it's not as good as languish so but yeah the card like that might come up uh, but also the 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 new wrath is probably yeah, something that'll yeah, I definitely see that will make a splash going in. yeah.
0: Yep. There is There's a card called Usher of the Fallen, which is a, a single white for a 2-1, which we, we haven't seen for a while, uh, that has boast of one and a white, which is create a 1-1 one, one white human warrior creature token. We did, in previous standards, have some pretty solid mono-white aggressive decks. You know, That would be a good add to that, whether that's enough to bring that deck back into being historic playable. Uh, I, I probably don't think so, but you never know you get enough of those good solid white creatures and uh, and you might get there
1: yeah it's a uh, again like a metagame dependent right you just yeah it could be it could be the best card going or it could be absolutely you know does nothing but Nico mm. as I mentioned before could probably um, Nico Aris could fit in as well and there's going to be some um, something that takes advantage of that blue God um, whose name escapes me you mentioned it before
0: Cosima uh, Kas- yeah yeah. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what people can actually do with that like it's just so weird we will read the um, I'll read the front side of it just so people know it. I've, they've probably heard about it already but it's 2 and a blue for a 2-4 at the beginning of your upkeep you may exile Cosima if you do it gains whenever a land enters the battlefield under your control if Cosima is exiled you may put a voyage counter on it if you don't return Cosima to the battlefield with X plus-on-plus-on counters on it and draw X cards where X is the number of voyage counters on it. So you play it, your next upkeep, you get a choice. You can exile it. If you don't, nothing happens. It just stays on the battlefield. If you do, it gains an ability, a landfall ability. So while it's exiled, if you play a land, you can either return it to the battlefield. So it's, you know it's potentially a way to exile it, wrath the board, play a land, bring it back. Or if you want to leave it exiled, you can just put a voyage counter on it. Then whenever you're ready, the next time you play a land and you you know, you know trigger it again, you get the same choice. So you can, you can leave it out on its voyage for as long as you want, just every time you play a land, getting a counter. And then at some point you can play a land and go, all right, I'm going to bring it back. And if it's got four counters on it by then, you're drawing four cards and it's coming in as a 6-8. So cool flavor again i like it you know going going on a voyage and like collecting information or or whatever learning things and then coming back and sort of getting the rewards from that yeah but, and the longer yeah, it's very, away the very more interesting it learns. Yeah. yeah yeah i like it yeah cool but yeah historics uh it's a bit hard to know it's you know it's the same like we said before it's sort of modern and uh pioneer and that sort of thing when you have a bigger card pool you don't see those in instant impacts when uh new sets come in you sort of see one or two cards sort of slot in here or there and especially yeah historic has been a pretty established meta game we haven't seen a huge shake up for for quite a while so but uh yeah we do have a historic event coming up so this will actually be the day after the uh this set releases on arena so it will actually be our first chance to see what people want to do with the new set and uh, and play in our event so do you want to tell everybody what this event is to you?
1: yeah so It's it's exciting, is what it is. Um, So (laughs) uh, so it is a a one day uh, historic event, as as you mentioned. So uh, you can sign up now through Trilodge and our Discord. It's going to be played uh, on the sixth of Feb. That's the right date, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Sixth of Feb, eleven a.m. Melbourne time, and there'll be rounds depending on number of entrants and prizes depending on number of entrants. We've already got like 16 or 17 people signed mm. up. Yeah, that's so, good. Yeah, so, uh, and yeah, we'll just, we'll run it. Swiss, we won't cut to a top eight or anything. We'll just, uh, we'll play the, you know, four rounds or however many we get and um, divvy up prizes based on record. And uh, yeah, everyone can uh, hang out and, and have a good time playing some of the, you know, new cards in Historic. Something that is different this year for us with our little one-off events like this is, Uh, they'll actually have an opportunity to get points towards the Magic Beans Invitational. So this, they're actually officially part of our tournament series for this year. So, uh, you sign up because, you know, you want to get that jump start, that early lead, the yellow jersey, if you like, for, uh, (laughs) (laughs) for the, uh, for the Invitational. So at the number of points that are given, uh, for these events, Towards the Invitational is on a uh, on a scale, so the more people that show up, therefore the harder it is to win. Will award you know more points. So, uh, but yeah, it's a um, the very first chance to you know try to uh, take down the the end boss, which is hemsy to. Yeah, we'll
0: uh, get- <laughs> get your name at the top of the leaderboard to start the year that's uh would be pretty cool you can take a screenshot we'll we'll put the leaderboard out there and you can be there number 1 top of the top of the beans invitational standings exactly
1: stop the count that's right <laughs> yeah so it's uh i'm looking forward to this uh it's always fun people hang out in between rounds and chat and some people stream their games and and things so yeah if you're uh not part of our uh our discord uh this is one of the benefits of it you know you get to uh, hang out with it and play these free events and just get prizes uh, thanks yep. to Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar who sponsor us and and not only our leagues but these smaller events as well so massive shout out to Josh and Pat's for um, enabling us to do this
0: yep so yeah get your uh, get your brewing hats on for historic and start figuring out what you're going to play because you will have access to those new cards so you might want to save a few wild cards so you can craft something if you need to just do, to add to those decks so I think that's going to do us for tonight, Chewy. Uh, yeah, just the two of us, we managed to waffle on for quite a long time. So No such
1: thing as a short episode when I'm on. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. So, yeah, as Chewy said, make sure you're coming and joining us in our Discord. That's the best way to get in touch with us and, uh, you know, tell us what uh, what you want to hear on the podcast or just have a chat with all the awesome people that are in there and then get involved in the events that we run. You can show us some support directly by going to our merch store. The link is in the show notes and yeah, pick yourself up some sweet hoodies and t-shirts and things like that. Go and check out Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. As Chewy said, they support us and allow us to put on these events and give away awesome prizes. So go to Facebook, search for Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar and check out their daily auctions. You can find us on YouTube, Twitch, Twitch twitter and facebook all of those places just search for magic beans or magic beans cast and you'll find us on there i am on twitter at peace inc chewy you are at chewy mtg all right and that's going to do us so thank you as always for listening stay safe out there and we will see you next time